There are some things that you just can't change by changing the way you believe. There are some, some things that in order to change them, you've got to experience that change. You have actually got to add things into your life. God's Word has been teaching us about practices that Christians must add. Say add. Say it again. Say it one more time. There are some things you must add into your life to become the effective Christian that God wants you to be. Furthermore, there are some things, some practices that the Christian must add. Say add. Say it again. Say it three times. There are some things you must add in order to live in harmony with God's will, and I know that that's the desire of every Christian, to live in harmony with God's will. Just as we would add paint to the walls of our home, just as we would hang curtains over the windows, just as we would put up pictures to make our home complete, so too the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 that there are qualities that we must add. There are qualities we must add to become a better representation of the one we serve, namely Jesus Christ. So let's read there in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, just a few verses there. In verse 5, we are to be giving all diligence, working hard to add to your faith virtue or moral excellence. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and they abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we desire to be everything that you have created us to be. Nothing less. And your word tells us that in order to be the representations, the ambassadors, and in the image of your son, there are things, practices, that we must add. Speak to our heart this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. To construct Christian character, to re, uh, become the reflection of Jesus Christ that I know you desire to be, we must align ourselves with this book. We must align ourselves with the Word of God. And so, in doing that, we begin by staking out the foundation of God's property. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're exactly right. Friends, that is the foundation of faith. Salvation by faith. Then as God's power comes into the Christian's life, then we begin to separate ourselves from worldly practices and we begin separating ourselves unto the Lord our God, our maker and designer. That, my friends, is moral excellence, and it's the building block of separation. After that, we begin to grow in the knowledge of God's truth, 
and applying that truth to our lives. And in so doing, we realize that we're set apart. We are sanctified by God. We are set apart by God to become a positive influence for him. That, my friends, is the building block of sanctification. Then we uh, unselfishly give God the control. So many of us have control and desire even more control over our lives. But as the Christian begins to add these things, he becomes or she becomes unselfish and giving God control. And then we're released to do his work, his way, for his glory, his glory to do his will and to serve other people. Friends, that's the building block of service. Then we learned that we can't have a testimony unless we have a test. We must persevere the trials that come our way. Christians are not exempt from trials. They're not exempt from this building block of suffering. We must include that building block in our Christian character. And before we left New Orleans, God's word called us to work out, to look up, and to press on in order to add godliness into our lives. That was the building block of submission. And today, we add brotherly kindness into our Christian character, which is the building block of sharing. We're getting close to the completion of Christian character, the building block of sharing. The theologian William Barclay said this. He said, more people are brought into the church by the kindness of real Christian love than all the theological arguments put together. Kindness, showing the kindness of real Christian love is what will build the church. Showing love and kindness to others. And that phrase, kindness, brotherly kindness, especially in the Bible, is the Greek word Philadelphia. The American city of Philadelphia boasts that it is the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia is brotherly love or brotherly kindness. And I read that there are three things that once they're gone, they never come back. Time, words, and opportunity. Once they're gone, They'll never come back. So how can we use time, words, and opportunity to their highest benefit? Well, I believe that the ways to, to use those, to use time, words, and opportunity, first, is to show love. Second, is to be with friends and family. But third, is in all that you do, demonstrate kindness. And you will be making the use of your time, of your words, and of your opportunities. Jesus taught us as believers not to give wrong for wrong. Don't give evil for evil. No, he taught us to give Philadelphia. He taught us to give brotherly kindness. He taught us to give brotherly love, which is actually the love of Jesus in the believer. 
It's the love of Jesus in you that you are to give out to other people. Now, in Hebrews chapter 13, that book, that, this chapter, this passage begins to explain Philadelphia. It begins to explain brotherly kindness, perhaps in ways that you've never thought of before. So let's read in Hebrews 13, beginning in verse 1. And can I just say, without even knowing it, having no clue what I was going to preach about, Brother Marshall taught this very same passage in Sunday school. Is that a God thing or what? Anyway, uh, yeah, it was great. Verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 13 the word says, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for so by doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Philadelphia. Verse 1 told us that Philadelphia, brotherly love, is to continue on and on. It's to continue on until your days on earth are through. To let it continue. But how? How and where are believers to show Philadelphia? How and where are we to show brotherly kindness? Well, I'd like to show you in that little passage we just read where the author of Hebrews shows us three areas where we are to show Philadelphia. First is to show brotherly kindness through ministry. Through ministry. The whole object of any ministry within the church is so that brotherly kindness, the love of Jesus within us, is both revealed and expressed to other people. That's the whole idea behind ministry, is to show them that God loves them. To show them that, that Jesus cares for them. So that's the whole idea. And you need to be aware. You need to be aware that your God, your God sends people every single day that cross your path. He sends people every day that come into your sphere of influence. And God fully expects you to show some Philadelphia. Some brotherly kindness. In verses 2, or th two and 3 there, we see two specific groups of people that we must continue showing brotherly kindness to. Let me just reread those. For do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. First, I think there in verse 2, it clearly shows us that, that we are to show brotherly kindness in ministry 
to perfect strangers. We went down to New Orleans and I only knew two people. That's Linda and Larry at the mission. Everybody else was a stranger. Can I speak for y'all, missionaries? We went and ministered to strangers. But it was interesting that Brother Marshall mentioned in Sunday school that we went down there and we were strangers. We were strangers to them too. And it's just incredible to me that the Word of God teaches us not to neglect showing hospitality, showing brotherly love and kindness to people we've never met. To show Philadelphia to people you don't even know. When you look up that word stranger in the thesaurus, here's the kind of entries you'll find. You'll find entries like outsider. You'll find entries like visitor, new arrival, unfamiliar person, the new kid in town. Anybody been a new kid in town? Anybody been a stranger? Anybody? At one time, we were all a visitor, right? We had 35 visitors that went to New Orleans. 35 strangers. And on our last day at BBS, we had 38 strangers that we were ministering to. But if we're going to be obedient to God, not only must we show brotherly kindness to the ones we know, that's easy. But we must also get out of our comfort zone and minister to those perfect strangers. I believe that by being obedient in this area, the Bible says that you may be in the company of angels and you didn't even know it. I think that I can vouch for the missionaries saying that we've met 38 angels. Midget angels, amen. Little bitty ones. And some real big. Willie was huge. He was like 6'5 or something. I mean, we met, we met angels of all shapes and sizes. But that's the way we are. We are strangers too. And we all came in all shapes and sizes. But we're called to minister to strangers. In Genesis chapter 18, three strangers came up to Abraham while he was resting under a tree. And, and Abraham provided them with water. He washed their feet. He scooted over and made some room under the shade tree for them. And then he even gave them some bread. And then later he discovered that indeed those three were angels. In Judges chapter 6, while he was threshing wheat, the angel of the Lord came up to Gideon. They had a long chat about several things. And then in verse 19 of Judges chapter 6, the word of God says, So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, lay them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. 
Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand. He touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of that rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. And so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord spoke to him and said, Peace be with you, do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. I want to tell you, I believe you find peace when you minister, show brotherly kindness to strangers. Never neglect to show hospitality to a stranger because you just never know. You just never know if you'll involve yourself in a ministry, an angel just might show up. But we're also to show brotherly kindness in ministry to the suffering. Verse 3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. The prisoners there in verse 3, we talked briefly in, in our Sunday school class, are people that have been mistreated and imprisoned simply for obeying God, simply for testifying about Jesus Christ. But you know, whether a person deserves to be in jail or not, we still got to minister to them. They're still suffering. They may deserve to be there, but they're still suffering people, and God still loves them. I wonder, has anyone here, anyone at Bethel ever considered maybe starting a prison ministry to minister to the prisoners? Many others suffer from sickness. Many others suffer from disease, debilitation. I wonder, has anybody thought about choosing just one just one of those in our community that is struggling with disease and continually minister to them in brotherly kindness? Many suffer from a broken heart. They've been through a divorce. They've lost a loved one. I wonder, has anybody thought about ministering to them in brotherly kindness? Friends, there are victims of pain and tragedy all around us. Have you ever considered for a moment of sharing yourself with them in brotherly kindness? The building block of sharing. Share yourself. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25? This scripture came alive to us, as you'll discover next Sunday night. This scripture came alive to us in Matthew 25, beginning in verse 37. The Lord Jesus says, then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, 
Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You did it to me. When we visit the prisoner, when we minister to the sick, when we tend to the brokenhearted, it's as if we're visiting Jesus. It's as if we're ministering to Jesus. It's as if we are tending to Jesus. And if we don't, if you come to the conclusion that ministering and tending to your own self is far big a plate for you and you don't want to minister to the others, if you don't, then it's just as if you don't care about Jesus. Because that's where you will find him. The greatest testimony that a Christian has, the greatest testimony that a Christian has is getting our hands dirty, helping suffering people. Brotherly kindness. Philadelphia. It thrives in churches where its members are willing to share of themselves in ministry. But not only in ministry, for Hebrews also tells us that we are to show brotherly kindness in marriage. Kind of changes gears. Verse 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Brotherly love, brotherly kindness needs to continue in our marriages. Now, if you don't know what brotherly kindness has to do with marriage, either you never have been married or you ain't married now. Because your spouse ought to be your best friend. Your spouse ought to be your best friend to whom you show kindness. I know personally of some husbands who are more kind to their, their hunting and fishing buddies than they are to their wife. They're kind to all their friends at work, but then when they come home, they're unkind to their bride. The woman that God has given them to honor and to put up on a pedestal. Let us show brotherly kindness in our marriages. That writer has two things to say about an honorable bond. Let marriage have an honorable bond. Never say something negative about your marriage. Never say something negative about marriage, period. And certainly don't say anything negative about your spouse. That's number one. Number two, how can you make your marriage an honorable bond? Place Jesus Christ as the head of your home. Make him number one between both of you. Make the triangle. God's at the top. Husband's at one side, the wife's at the other side, and as you're growing closer to God, you're also growing closer to who? One another. Honor your marriage by speaking highly of your marriage. Honor your marriage by placing Christ as the head of your home. And number three, honor your marriage by fulfilling your role 
in the marriage. If you're a husband, be the spiritual leader and honor your bride the way that God commands you to. Because you need to know God's going to hold you and, and hold you to account for the heavenly home, the godly home you created. If you're the wife, be the spiritual helper and, 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 help, and help your husband with the things that he wants and the things that he needs. Honor your husband. Be willing to tell him, well done. Sometimes when it ain't, amen. So to make your marriage an honorable bond, honor your marriage by speaking highly about it. Let Christ be the head of your home. And number three, fulfill your role in marriage. But not only should we let our marriage have an honorable bond, but it should also have an honorable bed. And the bed undefiled. Undefiled. Do you know what undefiled means? It means not dirty. It means not corrupted, not tainted, not tarnished, not degraded. You get the picture? And then in the end of that verse, the word says, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. That word fornication comes from the Greek word pornea, and it's where we get our English word pornography. I want to tell you right now that pornography is a marriage killer. Anytime you get an opportunity to be against pornography, you take a stand. It's a marriage killer. But also, if you want to keep your marriage free from adultery, then there's a whole bunch of junk on TV that you ought to steer clear of. Whole bunch. In fact... I've noticed that the actresses and the actors, they hop in bed and out of bed every other day. And you know what? They have no morals. And there's no consequences for doing that on TV. There's no consciences. But TV don't show the long string of heartache. The, the TV won't show you the pain that those kind of behaviors bring. I think we should all post Psalm 101 verse 3 over our television. That verse reads, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. Guard what you watch on that, on that box. That's how you can keep your marriage free from adultery. But if it happens, is adultery forgivable? Yes, it is. But the consequences, they never are overcome. The sin can be forgiven, but the consequences are long-lasting. Absolute trust is never fully restored. The damage to the kids... It's never completely healed. So let me just say, if you're already flirting with somebody else other than your spouse, come to your senses. Wake up. 
you vowed to share your life with that person. Not only to that person, but before God. Go home. Love your wife. Go home and love your husband. Recommit yourself to your marriage. Whatever you got to do, for heaven's sake, do it. Philadelphia. Brotherly kindness. Show it by sharing yourself in ministry. Show it by sharing your life in your marriage. But we must also learn to show brotherly kindness with our money. Uh-oh, here you go. You want to get in my grill. <laughs> How in the world are we to show brotherly kindness with our money? Well, verse 5 shows us that the first thing we need to do is we need to learn to be content. Verse 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. As a Christian, our character is to be free of the love of money. Remember, it's not the love of money that's the root of all evil. I mean, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not the money itself. We're not to fall in love with making money, nor are we to be greedy with the money we make. Because greed is the downfall of many a Christian. In fact, the Proverbs speak clearly about greed. And in chapter 1, verse 19, the word says, Such is the fate of all who are greedy for gain. It ends up robbing them of life. Don't get no more real than that, y'all. The lesson is simple. Have you got money? Don't be greedy with it. If you don't got money, don't be coveting what other peoples have got. We've got to learn to be content with what we have. When we include this building block of sharing into our Christian character, we'll strive to show brotherly kindness. We'll strive to have that right balance between material things. Jesus said it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the rest of the other things will come to you. Seek first. So how is your level of contentment? Have you worked hard and managed well? Are you where God wants you to be? Are you seeking after Him or are you seeking after worldly possessions? Learn to be content. It don't come natural, does it? But can I tell you that it does come supernatural? You seek first the kingdom of God, it'll come. Wherever you are right now, I challenge you to learn to be content and to seek first the kingdom of God. But not only learn to be content, we also must learn to be confident. Let me read the end of verse 5. For he himself, God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Verse 6 makes it clear that we can boldly say, 
Boldly say that we can trust God. He's trustworthy. He ain't never failed you, not the first time. He's never failed you. And he's never left you. But how do we learn to confidently rely on God? Well, I think that the best way is by tithing. You want to learn to rely on God? You want to learn to trust God for real? Then do something that is close to you. Take a look at your checkbook. Are you giving God back a tenth of your income? Like the Bible directs? If you make $100, do you give God back 10? If you make a million, do you give him back a tenth? If you make a billion, do you give him back a tenth? How many of you here have made a billion? Me and you are going to be friends. When you give back a tenth, as the Bible directs, God will take care of your needs. I didn't understand that until I began to tithe. Not once has he let me down. But until you trust him, you'll never be a tither because it does take a lot of trust. God challenges us even to test him. Test him and see if we can trust him. In Malachi 3.10, the word says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there may, their way may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. What's he saying? You can trust me. That's Brother Billology right there. We've got to learn to confide in Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Bottom line is this. If we'll take care of God's business, he'll take care of ours. It's just that easy. We've got to learn to show brotherly kindness by sharing ourselves in ministry, sharing our lives in, in marriage, and sharing God's blessings with our money. But what's the model? What's the model for brotherly kindness? All I got to say is, who dat? Jesus all that. He's the model that we have for brotherly kindness. For Philadelphia, where do we get our example? Straight from God. Because kindness is one of the very essential qualities of God himself. He has been so kind to you. He has been so loving to you. Now, oftentimes, we don't receive that kindness. Oftentimes, we don't receive his love. But that doesn't change the fact that he's given it. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus taught, Jesus demonstrated how to share brotherly kindness. And now, in our day, that kindness is expressed in and through you. In and through people who are willing to walk humbly with him. Jesus showed compassion all the time. He showed compassion and brotherly love to countless lost, countless hurting people. How did he do it? By meeting their needs first. Jesus met them where they were. He met their immediate need and then led them 
to eternal salvation through him. But that's how he always began. He always gave them food. Always gave them healing. Always gave them salvation. Praise God. He displayed God's love for people who were suffering. As we continue to construct Christian character, let us not overlook this building block of sharing. This building block of sharing following the model that Jesus gave us. Remember verse 1? Let brotherly love continue. Let it go on and on and on until Jesus comes again. Or until your days on earth are through. Share brotherly kindness in ministry to others. Share brotherly kindness in your marriage with your spouse. Share brotherly kindness with your money and offerings to God. Jesus Christ died on an old rugged cross for you. Say for me. I didn't hear you. For me. God wanted to show his love for you. He wanted to show his divine kindness toward you. And even while you were still a sinner, living in defiance to him, rebelling against the God who made you, he still showed that love to you. He still showed you kindness. And he sent his own son to die a criminal's death, be buried in a borrowed grave, and three days later to rise again from the dead to be the first fruits of those who will be resurrected. Have you? Have you accepted the love and kindness that God has offered? Have you shared in the love that God has for you? Once you do, then make sure you share it with somebody else. Maybe a stranger. Maybe somebody who's suffering. Let us pray. Father God, I'm grateful that you shared your love with me. Because I know Bill Barlow. I know him well. And I know what kind of man he was. I know he turned his back on you every opportunity he had. I know he rebelled against your word. I know he sinned against you and fell far, far, far short of your glory. But Lord, you still poured out your love toward me. And all I had to do was accept your love and that wonderful brotherly kindness you offer. Father, I pray now, if there's one in this room who is yet to do that, Father, that you would just pour out your love on them. Somehow, Lord, show them that you love them just like you did with me so many years ago. Let no one leave this place having not received the most precious gift that we can receive.
in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.